As the school year comes to a close, we can all agree that we are extremely exhausted mentally and physically. This past year and a half has been really difficult in many ways, and every educator's mental health has been affected. Just the other day, I was telling a staff member that COVID has made every decision much harder. With that in mind, how are we taking care of ourselves each day? This week's guest, Dan Tricarico, shares how he uses the five S's, which are stillness, silence, space, subtraction, and slowing down, to improve his mental health. In this episode, we discuss how leaders can improve their staff's mental health, strategies for social media, ways to balance stress, and Dan's book, The Zen Teacher. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And Dan, before we jump into such an important topic, which is, you know, with self-care and stress reduction, I would love to hear about your educational journey. Well, my educational journey started a long, long, kind of like Star Wars and long ago in a (laughs) galaxy far, far away. I got my teaching credential in 1987, so kind of an 80s kid and went to school in the 70s, which was a trip, but I always kind of felt comfortable in the school setting. I always loved learning, and uh, I always teased my students that, you know, I never left high school, basically. I went to San Diego State University because I grew up in San Diego, Mm -hmm. got the teaching credential. You know, when I was very young, I was going to be a rock star, of course, and then I was a drama major and actor, and I went to Los Angeles for a couple of years to pursue acting. Um, But you know, the old thing, everybody's like, well, you got to have something to fall back on. And so I got the teaching credential, but little did I know that that was my purpose Mm -hmm. and that was my calling. And then when uh, I went back into substitute teaching in Los Angeles and realized that this is what I love to do, why am I not back home doing it? So I, within months, I moved back to San Diego. And just as a side note, the acting profession is not the nicest profession in the world. (laughs) And so they felt like they could just treat you any old which way that they wanted to. And, and I'm big on kindness and mm-hmm. taking care of people, obviously. And so that, that just did not align with me. So I went back to San Diego. I actually got hired at the high school that I would have gone to if it had been there when I lived there, because it's in the community where I grew up. Mm-hmm. But it was just a big vacant lot. It was just, you know, the, I, it's called West Hills High School. And it's called West Hills High School because before it was there, it was just literally the West Hills. It was the hills in the West. And so uh, they built it while I was in Los Angeles and I came back. And I always say that like the, the first day I subbed there, at the end of the day, I went into uh, the principal's office and I said, I just want you to know this is, this is where I want to be hmm. because it, I could tell the culture was so different and it was so wonderful. They had a vision. They, I felt they knew what they were doing. And so now I've been there 30 years. Oh my goodness. So, wow. You found a really good spot. I did. I love it there. You were talking about being an actor and that was your dream. So did that translate into the classroom? Did you find some correlations? Oh, goodness, you were yes. Able to do that? Uh, I always say I do five shows a day, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. In fact, the earliest book I wrote, educationally speaking, mm-hmm. uh, was called You're a Teacher, So Act Like One. And it was about how you can use acting skills to be a better presenter in the class. And at the time, that was 2002, there was no social media, uh, no way to get the word out. And so my aunt bought like three copies and then that was the end of that book, you know, um, but it's a different world now. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that I still have messages that now I, I can get out and, um, and help people with. Yeah. So let's talk about one of those large messages, because I know mm-hmm. of your book from the Zen teacher. That's 
mm-hmm. what I know you for, and and of course the big topic with that is self care. And sure. man, Dan, I don't know what a better topic is right now. I I feel like a lot of people are struggling, especially after this year with the pandemic. So oh yes, with that, will you just kind of share a quick synopsis of that book and maybe some strategies to help with self care? Yeah, I you know it's funny. I was we were talking before we started recording that who could have anticipated that this would have happened. And Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, I think the magic date for a lot of people is March 13th. It was Mm -hmm. a Friday, Friday the 13th with no fanfare, no closure, no anything. uh, Our school just said, you're going home and you're not coming back. And so went home. Then the next day I started a pop-up Facebook group because I thought, well, I kind of have a responsibility here Mm -hmm. given my message to, because I knew that this was going to be difficult for everybody, but, you know, helping teachers, is my gem. So I thought, well, I got I got to do, do that. So I opened up um, a Facebook group. And by I think it was the next Wednesday, over 500 teachers had joined. Wow. And and it's and it's still open. I you know, and the joke, they teased me because I said, Oh, well, this will be open for a couple months. And you know, it's just a pop up group, right? <laughs> right? You know, and here we are, you know, almost a year and a half later, you know, it's, it's been hard for everybody, you know, and I, I always joke around and I say, you know, that when the Zen teacher is stressed out, the struggle's real, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and we've all had a hard time. We've all struggled. We've all, you know, there's, there's was this low grade anxiety during the early part of the uh, pandemic mm-hmm. that was just always there for me, yep. you know? And, and I was just telling a friend today that I, I have not been back to school since March 13th of 2020. And cause I, I have family members who are in high risk categories. I'm sure. on a, one of the CDC's lists. Mm-hmm. So I just stayed home and have been teaching remotely. You know, I, I was telling a friend that the reintegration is, is going to take some effort. Yep. Just being around people again. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess I, I say all that to say, you know, if you're having, you know, if anybody listening is having a hard time, just know that that's normal and it's okay. Yep. And it's kind of where we all are and you're not alone, which I think is a really important message. Mm-hmm. Dan, I want to talk about that because that's a great point. I, I didn't even really think about it until you said that is, you know, when we go out to stores with masks or, we're, you know, things that we need to get that are essential. When you see another person, there is now fear that goes with that of, I need oh, to absolutely. keep my distance. I yes. can't interact with them. Here in Texas, I've been in school all year long with kids in the building. And as the year has gone on, that that has increased, right? So mm-hmm. you can imagine what the, that's like for the staff as far as the anxiety levels is increasing yes. also because now we're with more people in the building, which then creates a higher risk. How does that even happen? Like for building leadership, what are some things that they can do for their staff to reduce that anxiety and, and stress? Well, I think that there are a couple of things that, that come to mind just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. One, and, and I will give you know major props to my admin team and, and our district, is just listening mm-hmm. to the teachers and knowing that they're going through this. And also, and I know not everybody can do this and not everybody has done this for various reasons, but our district approved mm-hmm. or uh, more leave time okay. for the teachers who needed it. Yeah. And that was a godsend. That was, was uh, you know, again, having family members who were in high risk categories and being able to, to teach remotely was a godsend. So listening, uh, you know, uh, stepping up, providing those opportunities to, to adjust, to pivot, to do what we need to do to keep the machine rolling. And also, you know, again, uh, and, and this is a suggestion for, for everyone, however, whatever it looks like for you, is our admin team has been great about keeping the machine rolling at the school mm-hmm. and, and communicating 
you know, emails and phone calls and Zoom staff meetings and all of these things and, and asking, you know, let us know if you have any questions. I've never felt out of the loop, which which is really good. So I think communication, I'm, I'm hearing myself talk and, and thinking that's really the number one suggestion is communication. Sure. It's never a good feeling to not know what's coming up um, in the future and especially absolutely all the different protocols and changes that have occurred this year. I think that is such a yes. wonderful thing. Given my particular message, I was super, super grateful that I'd had kind of a self-care practice in place for a couple of years before this happened and, and had that kind of Zen approach of detachment of it's going to go how it goes yeah. and we're going to be fine. And this is all temporary, even though a year and a half doesn't seem very temporary, <laughs> but we, we are, it's not always going to be like this. Correct. And so those kinds of thoughts really gave me a great deal of comfort uh, and still do. Um, in, in knowing that we will all get through this. So I got to know the, the Zen teacher yourself, what are some self-care practices that you do? Well, I always go back to whenever anybody says, you know, what's something we can do right now? I always go back to something that I call the five S's, which are stillness, silence, space, subtraction, and slowing down. Hmm. And I think two that are really easy to implement immediately and that we don't do are stillness and silence. Yeah. And we are in a go, go, go culture that is just, you know, 24 seven and, you know, 365 and just, you know, there's the status symbol of I'm busier than you are. And it's a badge of honor. Yep. And I just decided to opt out of that narrative. And I don't have to listen to that. None of us do really, yeah. but, I, but it's a choice and it has to be intentional and it's, and it's weird. You know, you ruffle feathers. People don't understand why you're sitting on the couch, you know, or whatever it is, you know, they, they, they don't get it. And that, and I had to learn to be okay with that. There are times when I have a uh, time that I will go to this, this beautiful place in San Diego called Balboa park. It's right by downtown San Diego. And it's one of the most peaceful places I've ever been. And I, I will be still there. I will be silent. There, there doesn't have to always be noise or television or music as much as I love music, just sitting. And, and it reminds me um, of the old John Lennon song. I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I really love to watch them roll. And, and we've gotten away from that. For sure. And, you know, we've always, we think we always have to be doing something. And then if we're not doing something, we're lazy. And then, you know, and then we feel it, we feel guilty. And then that guilt creates more stress and, mm -hmm. And that's just a bad cycle. So do you actually schedule that silent time for yourself? Is that a daily regimen that you have created? I th yeah, I think that's that's fair to say, but it also can be spontaneous. So it's really both. I mean, what what I will do is, is there are some weeks that I'll look at my calendar and say, okay, when can I get away to go to Balboa Park mm -hmm. and just sit and be still? But if I don't have that time, it's five minutes when I get up in the morning and have my coffee and, you know, listen to some quiet music. It's before I go to bed. If I'm at school, it's during the lunch period or my prep period, mm -hmm. you know? And, and again, it's weird because like if, if on my prep period, I turn out the lights and I sit in my chair and I'm breathing and somebody comes in, they're like, what's going on. Right. Yeah. But, but if that's going to save my mental health and keep me from burning out and leaving or worse, or save, save my physical health. I don't care what they think, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. I got to do what's right for me. Exactly. You use the term burnout, which I think is a mm -hmm. perfect word for right now, because I know a lot of folks that, you know, if they're on the back end of their career or thinking about retirement, or if they're brand new teachers are wondering what in the world did I get myself into after the one year mm -hmm. of the pandemic of, 
you know, teaching online and in person or one or the other. So for those who are feeling burnt out in the profession, no matter where they are in their career, if they're a teacher or a leader, you know, what are some things that can help, you know, maybe spark that passion again and make them understand why they got in uh, the first place? Well, I think that the first thing that I think of is always the idea of permission. Mm. You have to give yourself permission to take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. I always say, nobody's going to come up to me and say, Dan, you look tired. You should take a nap, (laughs) right? That's not going to happen. I have to decide that I'm going to do that myself. And so giving yourself permission, you know, it's, it's the old thing that everybody says now, uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. And teachers are such givers that I always say, not only will they pour from that empty cup, if a spouse, if a, if their own children, if a student needs the cup, they'll give the cup too. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, my job is to help you get your cup back and to help you put things in it that are going to fulfill you and take care of you because then counterintuitively and ironically, then you are in a better place to give to all of those other people. Mm-hmm. But we don't always see it like that. We think I'm going to give until I've got nothing left and that proves I'm a good person. And I don't believe that no, anymore. <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. So Dan, you talked about reducing certain things in your life to reduce your stress. So what Mm -hmm. are some other things that you cut out to help your mental health? Oh gosh, like a bajillion things. But one (laughs) one I'm thinking of right now, and and because I keep thinking about it because it's so weird, Mm -hmm. is I just moved into a new apartment and I don't have cable television. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's like, you know, I've had cable TV my entire life. Sure. And and I don't have a television. I just, I have my laptop and I have Netflix and I'm like, I'm totally fine. Right. So it's that kind of thing. You know, like I said, I love music, but it's, it's realizing that when you're in the car and you turn the music off, you've got this lovely bubble of silence Mm -hmm. that's for the length of the commute to your job or to the store or whatever, even things like uh, um, back when I was at school, if I had to leave my classroom and go to the office, I would do uh, what's called a walking meditation where I would focus on my footfalls, listen to the birds, listen to the kids laughing in the hallways and take some deep breaths. And by the time I got to the office, I was much more relaxed. Mm. So there's just little things you can do. I I even say three deep breaths at a red light when you're driving Mm -hmm. is huge and can really, really change your, your mindset and your perspective. Within the five S's, you know, you talked about stillness, silence, Mm -hmm. space, subtraction, slowing down. What is mm-hmm. space? What is what is an example of that? Well, it's kind of like the whole Marie Kondo decluttering thing. Okay. It's creating space because sure. we get very suffocated and oppressed by all the junk, but it's but it's physical junk, but it's also psychic junk. Hmm. It's it's all our old narratives, all our internal negative self-talk. It's cyberspace junk. You know, don't even look at my Google Drive. It's <laughs> it's insanity. Yeah. Because uh, Joshua is so funny because I when I first got Google Drive. I didn't know what it was or what it was for. And at one point I literally wrote on my whiteboard in class, stop sharing things with me (laughs) because I didn't know where they were going. It was like this abyss, you know? And so now it's, it's like when I retire, they'll just delete it and everything will be good again. But you know, that has a psychic expense, a psychic cost to know that all that's in there. And you could decide to take five minutes a day and just weed out some junk Mm -hmm you know, from that, if that's where your stress is coming from. I have 
uh, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 13,000 photos on my phone. I always say, you know, um, I think it's 12,000 screenshots and a few pictures of my kids, I think is, <laughs> is pretty much the breakdown. You know, just all of that stuff just weighs on us. Yeah. And so any chance you have to excise some of that stuff, you know, and like I said, for, for me, it was a television. You know, I when I moved in here, this is a silly example, but I, ha- I have a lot of books. I'm an English teacher. I have a lot of books. Yeah. And I just, for some reason, a friend gave me a basket and I, I happened to put some books in a basket. And I was like, I like that. And I didn't get a bookcase because the lines now are very low in the apartment in kind of a feng shui way. I mean, I just like, I like it better than having this tall, weighty bookcase, which is going to take up a lot of space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of little things that you can do. Even, you know, people go, oh my gosh, you know, my, my house is a mess. You know, the garage is a mess. Well, that's overwhelming. So start small and start with one place like like a countertop or a or the old junk drawer that everybody has right start with one little thing and then you know it takes 15 minutes 20 minutes and then you have a little bit of a breath and then the more you do that the more room you create and then ah, then there's that relief yeah what about social media where does that come in for you because you talked about cable tv moving that and you know feeling better and you know all the photos and the clutter and Mm -hmm. I just know that there's a lot of articles being written about social media and the connection to mental health. Like what are some things that people can put in place to maybe help their mental health by having some parameters within social media? Well, I think you just said it. I think it's like anything else. It's parameters and it's boundaries Mm -hmm. and it's uh, digital detoxing sometimes. And I I always tease people and say, when they tell me, you know, because there are a few people who don't have social media. And, and of course, doing what I do, I have to have it, you know, just to, to to get the word out. But I always say, oh, you don't have social media. Oh, you much you must live a much happier life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, I mean, I sound you know like an old man. But, you know, when I was growing up, there were no cell phones, no Internet. Like, it's weird because we're talking about space and decluttering. But what I, I've gone totally the opposite way. And since moving here, I've started buying vinyl record albums again. Nice. And, and I bought a turntable and because I just <laughs> love music. But, you know, it's it's just whatever works for you, right? Sure. And you have to find your rhythms. But social media, you know, I didn't grow up with that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's easy. It's, it's very addictive. Uh, my understanding is that they design it that way. Oh, yeah. um, you know, so in, in some ways, we don't have uh, much of a chance but that's why it's got to be very, very intentional about how you use it, why you use it, how long you use it. My youngest daughter, 18 years or 19 years old now, without me saying anything, put an app on her phone hmm. that locks her out of social media after so much time. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Hmm. I need to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Sure. But she just decided she did not want to be on her phone that much. And I was very, very proud of her for that, for coming to that conclusion on her own. All right. So you got the turntable, Dan. So what's yeah. one of your favorite records to put on that turntable? Oh my God. I'll, I'll tell you a couple, but um, in Please. general, it's, it's classic rock. I mean, I just love classic rock. Um, I have Joe Cocker. I have Creedence Clearwater Revival. I have Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, which is actually to me fair, you know, newer, you know, yeah. in terms of the things I like, but um, I would just summarize it with classic rock, but yeah. uh, it's, it's been a joy. So I guess that helps within the mental health piece, right? Putting on some, oh, absolutely. Some music that you enjoy. And with that, so for our aspiring leaders or current leaders that are listening, you know, what are some things that they can put in place in their school that's going to help with self-care, stress reduction, and burnout? 
Well, here's the funny thing. And, and I don't know that this is a, a specific thing, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a way of thinking. You know, I remember one of the things I lived through in, in this long lifetime I've been talking about is disco. And when disco started, everybody loved it. And then what happens when things are super popular is then there becomes this backlash where everybody hates it and they're burning their disco <laughs> albums and stuff like this, right? Well, I think we've, to some degree, we've gotten there. Everybody is tired of hearing about self-care. But one teacher the other day said to me, teachers are tired about talking about self-care. And I said, yes, they're tired of talking about it. And when the admin teams, and I'm not saying this is they're doing this on purpose or that that there's really any other option. When the admin says to to the staff, hey, remember to take care of yourself, but here's 400 other things you have to do. Right. It doesn't work. Some people are just paying lip service, but I I feel for admin teams because they are positioned Mm -hmm. between their staffs and the needs and and requirements and mandates of the district and the state. And that's a tough, tough place to be. And so I I have empathy for that. Mm -hmm. But, But to say, hey, take care of yourself and not take, you know, they need to subtract. I guess in a word, that would be what I would suggest that admin teams do, subtract things from what you're asking your teachers to do. Now, that's not always possible. And that's why, like I knew um, this all came about because I was heading toward severe burnout around 2015, 14, somewhere in there. And I knew that I didn't really have the wherewithal, the energy, the skill set to change the educational system, but I knew I could change me. Mm -hmm. I was within my control. And so I use these techniques and, and then now hopefully can share them with others in, in the hopes that it would help them as well. So, you know, I guess I'm saying don't communicate with your admin team or the district or, what, or whatever, but don't, uh, you know, detach mm-hmm. from expecting them to solve everything because they either can't or won't, right. but you can do more than you think. Most definitely. And I, I know you're helping a lot of people with your message, Dan. So, oh, thank you. Uh, that's, I hope that's so. Occurring. And, you know, you shared you have that Facebook group that you're helping folks, mm-hmm. but you also have an online course called Instant Zen, Five Steps for Reclaiming Your Focus, Energy, and Peace. So yes. what is that course all about and how can people participate in that? I'll give you one guess what the five steps are. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, you know, since I talk so much about the five S's, I'll just, you know, it's like it's like we do with with uh, our lessons is just let me record it and, you know, and just, you know, put it out there. And anybody who's interested can go to zenprocourses.com and find it there. And just, I'll just tell all your listeners this, teachers always get a $10 discount and just use the coupon code TEACH. Awesome. Um, you know, because always they're all teachers in my heart. They're my heroes. I always want to give them a little break. Yep. And I know we don't have lots of discretionary income to be thrown around, you know, so. <laughs> Every little bit helps though. And I'll Every, make sure yeah. that uh, that link and then also the, the code is in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Thank you uh, so much. Of course. And so Dan, I want to talk about your other books too, because mm-hmm. you didn't just write the Zen teacher, you have other projects. So what is something else that would be a good resource for them to help with mental health? Well, the other book is called Sanctuaries, Self-Care Secrets for Stressed Out Teachers. And what I always say is, if the Zen teacher reminds you that you need to take care of yourself, Sanctuary shows you how, because there's lots of like, that's that's where I I wrote down the five S's for the first time. Uh, It talks about the importance of play, Mm -hmm. which we've gotten away from. Just, you know, we we remember when we were kids, how fun it was just to play and how that released some stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a chapter on serving, which ironically, when I serve, when I help others, I feel better, Definitely, right? Because I'm helping 
Uh, so that was, uh, you know, an epiphany for me. You know, so there's some very practical, actionable strategies in sanctuaries. But uh, Zen teacher, I always say that book is kind of like, I just want to be a little voice in your ear that says, hey, it's okay if you take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And here are some ways to look at that gratitude and acceptance and self-care and, you know, all these other, you know, there's other strategies in there, but um, that that's kind of the reminder. The Zen teacher book is just to, to you know, open up that possibility for you. And then sanctuaries has a lot of, it, in fact, it's even a little bit of a workbook. There's blanks in there where you can journal or, or make a plan and, and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Much needed. I, I love the two books and how they kind of connect to each other too. Thank you. It's, like I said before, is, is such an important topic. And I hope everyone that's listening, make sure that they provide acceptance to themselves to understand that it's yes. important to take care of their own needs. And um, if you're looking for a amazing resource, definitely check out Dan's books. And um, Dan, if anyone is looking to connect with you on social media, how would they do that? Well, I'm mostly on Twitter, like like a whole bunch of other educators. And you can find me at the Zen Teacher. Um, I've been experimenting with Instagram, and I'm at Zen Teacher. I guess the was taken by the time <laughs> I got over there. And then, you know, I, I have the Facebook group, which is called the Zen Teacher Pop-Up Sanctuary. Um, so I got Zen Teacher and Sanctuary in there together. And then uh, I'm, I'm experimenting with LinkedIn now too. Nice. You know, again, it's just like, I have to be very intentional and, and set up some boundaries about how much social media I'm using. But those are all the places you can find me. And of course, you can always email me at teachingzen at gmail.com. Happy to hear from everybody. You know, if you have any questions, I'm here to help. And Dan, you also present too. So if anyone's interested, yes. interested in bringing you to their district, would they use that email address to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. There's also, and, and you know, I can't believe I forgot to say this, but my website mm -hmm. is thezenteacher.com and there's a contact form on there as well. And thank you for mentioning that because uh, it's it's been you know crazy. I've done, I think, four virtual presentations since the pandemic started, which is great because I, it's really been good to, to get out there and connect through Zoom with teachers who need this message uh, during this time. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'd be happy to help any staff who who needs that kind of work. Yeah. And I had a chance to meet you, Dan, at the Teach Better conference <laughs> and hear your message there. And it was phenomenal. So anyone that's oh, looking thank you. to bring Dan in, it is definitely worth the time. Dan, it is just an honor to have you on the podcast. And I just appreciate your servanthood with so many people. You're taking care of so many and, and I love, absolutely love your message. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that you're humbling me, <laughs> um, but but it's it's been a blast to be here and, and thanks for having me on the show. 